We can also talk about the Danish scientists that made fat-free whipped cream out of lactic acid bacteria. Sure. <laughs> Let's sure. do it. <laughs> I mean, that's Thanksgiving-y. Like- that sounds delicious. <laughs> what can't bacteria do? <laughs> All right. Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. We're back. We're we're back on uh, domestic American soil and, uh, and 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 the colder weather for two yeah. of the three of us. Um, what a time! Will Saddleberg got got he battled the worst blizzard <laughs> since 1977 to get home to us. Yeah, it was which, fun. Uh, we flew through it. It was sounds rough. interesting. I'd love to hear about that. Sure. Um, that right after we say hello amazing. to Ara, what's going on? My throat is sore and I am like six different ways of like my mind is split into a million pieces for Black Friday. But I am here and I am very happy to talk for an hour. I mean, this is, this is actually things. the recipe for the best episodes, apparently, when one or, or all of us are just completely out of our minds yeah. with fatigue or um, anxiousness, anxiety. anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> words don't mean anything no that really does produce good content it's been proven <laughs> this has also been a fairly busy week internally we are as ara said preparing for black friday we do a lot of content a lot of deals you'll probably notice that on every website you visit this week it's just something that happens you don't really you just you can't avoid it anymore but pay more attention to the ones that are here. We're not really going to talk about the specific deals. I mean, maybe are at the end you can you can mention your a few of your favorites that are coming up. What I do want to talk about is Will's trip. Will, you sure. went to Hawaii for Qualcomm's Snapdragon Summit. Mm-hmm. You got to talk to a Qualcomm executive about the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, which is going to be released I mean, now-ish. The yeah, first now-ish. phones are going to be Available in early 2023, but what I love, and maybe maybe not everybody else does, but what I love hearing about uh, when I listen to other podcasts is the inside baseball around what <laughs> happens at some of these tech events. And given that I wasn't there sure. this year, I want you to tell me what I missed out on. So sure, what happened? Yeah. A lot, and also like, man, I don't know. What also kind of not a lot. <laughs> it's so weird. I've never been to one of these. Right. And so like I had no idea what I was like going into. I didn't really know anybody. I want to say Michael Fisher, who is a YouTuber that I'm sure much of our audience knows and knows well, I think was the only person I had previously met who was there. Yeah, it's kind of overwhelming. I mean, making it more overwhelming is the fact that you were like in Hawaii on like an island at a, a fancy resort and you, you know, step out on your balcony of your hotel room and you have an insane view and all your friends and family back home are facing down a, a, a once in a, a decade at least snowstorm and you're just like it's 80 degrees and there's i count three pools that i can go in right now um not to mention the ocean in terms of the conference i mean yeah we i kind of hit the ground running i was a little jet lagged i i am not normally the person who wakes up at six in the morning but i woke up at six in the morning every single day uh while i was there um just because I just never quite adjusted to the five-hour time difference. Did you run a, and uh, along the beach Once. Sunset, I did. Sunrise? I did once. I was too tired. to. So I, I landed Monday night. It was getting there was long. I did not run Tuesday. I was dead tired. 
Wednesday morning, I did run. I ran uh, just shy of a 5K because uh, it, it's hillier than Buffalo, which is flat. And so I'm not used to running on hills as much. So it was a little shorter. Um, but yeah, I ran along the beach. That was lovely. I went off the trail once it ended and just ran down like a local road and saw like 60 chickens. There's just like chickens. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, there's a lot of chickens. They're very cute. They are. I'd rather chickens than geese. So yeah, geese will F you up. I'm I am legitimately scared of geese, and anyone can make fun of me for that. No, um, you, the, it, as close as you live to Canada, that is not an irrational fear. Mm. No, they are they are to be avoided yeah. at all costs. Absolutely. What, I <laughs> what, this is, oh my god, this is so off topic. One time we were me and my friends during the pandemic went on a walk fairly early, probably probably May 2020, and we were walking along the Erie Canal. We were on the wrong side. We thought the path kept going, and it didn't. And so we were just kind of walking on grass and we realized we were almost to the bridge that would take us back to our cars. And we had to walk past like legitimately a mix of 100 geese and their babies, like straight up 100 of them. And this path is like, you know, probably eight feet long and they're taking up seven feet of it. And it was the scariest thing I've ever done because like the last thing you want to do is like look at a, at a goose who is like protecting its child because it will come after you. Yeah. And there are a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when there's a hundred of them, right. And like 40 of them are babies or whatever, it would have added an hour and a half onto our walk. And we, we still talked about turning around and going the other way. Um, anyway, don't mess so with what geese. happened. Did you, did you, we, so the, on the, the, geese, the army on the right geese? side of us was, was not the canal. It was like brush, right? Yeah. Like the, the, it dipped down into brush. We just kind of went in the brush and walked as fast and quietly as possible mm-hmm. and got past them. And then just, just kept going like, did not make eye contact with them. Just pretended we were doing our own thing. One of your friends should have just like out. squawked. <laughs> as, no, as, they, no. as you like ran into the bush. no that would have been the worst just no to, all of us were taking this you. very seriously we were like we we will get bit several times you'll, yeah you'll i was gonna die. say unless you want unless yeah. you want to test whether or not you can literally be pecked to death by geese no <laughs> yes the answer no, is don't yes it's it's definitely possible don't, chickens don't however br- bringing it back to qualcomm yeah yes sorry um, the chickens, uh, chickens of totally innocent um, and then I will, I don't want to like say that I was too hungover Thursday, but it was, I was, I was out late Wednesday and did not go for a run on Thursday. And that's all that matters. How was the luau? The luau was Thursday night. It was a really good time. Um, that was probably the best, like, cause obviously you're feeding, I don't know, 300 people. So almost every meal is like a, a buffet style or maybe a small plate style. And so that was probably the best of the buffet style meals that we yeah. had. It was quite good. I got a fancy uh, tiki mug uh, with with the Snapdragon logo on it, mm-hmm. which is lovely. Did you manage to bring it home in one piece? Because the I one did. I brought home uh, broke. I wrapped it in a t-shirt in my yeah. checked luggage. And then, yeah, I, the Lua was great. During the day, I actually did do work and went to keynotes and um, tech talks, although I did not go to, there was one, the compute one I did not go to because that is a little out of what I were covering in Android police and I had Android police things to do. So I did not go to that. Um, I had one-on-ones with some carrier people. I met the lead PR at Razor. Um, I believe I am about allowed to say that I held a, a, their, uh, the, the Razor, is it Razor edge 5g? I think the Razor edge 5g by Verizon. Yes. I've held it. I've touched it. I've, 
I'm allowed to say the tech specs, I think. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't think I'm allowed to say anything else. I mean, the specs were already known, I think. Yes. It was... uh, so I'll leave it at that. We can talk more about that in January. My God, um, this is you're not the only person where it feels like they are literally behind you holding a gun to your head <laughs> while you are talking about this. Uh, this is he's very... never going to hear this. The lead of Razor PR, his name is also Will. Great guy. Super chill guy. Just like I, I actually had a lot of fun hanging out with him and, and trying this out. So I will say that most wills I know are pretty chill. I will say. Thank you. Am I included in that? Most of the time, yes. Okay. No, okay. you're a, you're actually one of the chiller wills. I think okay. you're like cool. a top five chill will. Nice. Good. Um, I know a lot of wills. Weirdly, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't. I don't. We should disclose, by the way, that you were the the trip was paid for by Qualcomm. It was so. Yes. The accommodation, the food, travel, mm -hmm. that was all paid for by Qualcomm, but Qualcomm did not influence our editorial output about what they were no. announcing. And there's plenty I'm skeptical of. There's yeah, also let's, let's some talk about stuff that, a that I'm, bit. yeah, let's talk about, yeah. Obviously, the big announcement is, is Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. Um, I don't think there's a big surprise that that's what they announced or what the name is because they just rebranded the entire thing last year and I don't know why they would go away from that if when they just did it yeah so it's not a huge upgrade over what they were already doing with the snapdragon 8 plus gen 1 i would say this is still a four nanometer chip it's still manufactured by tsmc if you listened to my sit down with chris patrick which, which you went should up, yeah yeah it was i think it would okay you'll probably know a lot about it but it is what will be powering most android flagship phones next year with the exception of like the pixel right which i walked into that meeting with uh two pixels in hand and i did get a little bit of side eye everybody at the show had a pixel let's be honest can i tell you it was like everybody had a pixel and an iphone and it was we were in a qualcomm show that's fine because fisher qualcomm still have his foldable i don't remember what fisher was using to be he honest probably did but i mean you do have to remember qualcomm modems are in every iphone so yeah, the company's no, that's still that's making true. money from every iPhone. I don't that's think true, they make any money from Pixels anymore, though. No, I don't think so. And I will say, like, outside of iPhones, like, Pixel was was uh, number two. So they're popular, and you you invite a bunch of tech press and and other people to an event, and you're gonna get a lot of uh, a lot of Pixel phones. You but know? let's be clear you you invite them to a tech event in November, you get a lot of Pixel phones. Oh, you invite yeah, them sure. to one in February or March, you get a bunch of Samsung phones. <laughs> Samsung phones, yeah, right. It's 100%. all cyclical. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure be using an S23 of some sort come come February. So yeah, if, if, if this was three months from now, it would be very different. But yeah, no, I walked away excited to see what these chips are like on real phones. Obviously, we've seen a couple announcements. The OnePlus 11 is already a thing technically because OnePlus is like, we're going to use the chip. And that's basically an announcement. Obviously, like Samsung has not said anything, but we expect like 99 percent sure that you know this is what they'll be using in the s23 series so it's a relatively exciting chip and i think the 8 gen 1 was not a misstep i'd say but it was not like a perfect chip i mean daniel you used a, a fold 4 i i thought that the performance on that was excellent i don't know if you feel the same the but. snapdragon 8 gen 1 itself from early 2022 is a fine chip it's very capable. There's not a whole lot of improvement to performance between the Gen 1 and Gen Plus. 8, eight, eight Plus eight Gen eight 1. Plus. <laughs> Forgiveness, please. <laughs> um, but there is a lot more 
efficiency. So the phones don't feel as warm. They don't exactly. throttle nearly as as badly. But I never had any issues with the S22 Ultra that I use daily for months. And yeah. I think the issues with the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 were overblown. It wasn't nearly as bad as the days of like the Snapdragon 820. No, that was which rough. Which was a very, very quick and dirty response to Apple's A4 and ushered in a very, very hot year of smartphones. But this has been a very good year for smartphone ships, right? We just came off the MediaTek Summit. Yep. We are looking forward to another very competitive year between MediaTek and Qualcomm. Obviously, we're not going to see as many Qualcomm chips in North America, but... You mean MediaTek chip? We, uh, sorry, MediaTek. But yeah, I mean, 35% synthetic benchmark improvements on the CPU side, around 25% on the GPU side, massive improvements to ML, power, lots of like tweaks to the ISP and the DSP, some of those synthetic benchmarks that our sister site XDA Developers was able to run show a lot of promise, although that was a reference device that they provided you with like a limited set of benchmarks. I was also at that event. Yeah, I was at the benchmarking event, but I the benchmarks will mean a little bit more when they're on actual non-reference devices. But even then, I'm not, you know, they're, they're still just benchmarks. One thing I do like as a side note is that Qualcomm always makes a reference device every year. Yeah. And that they're kind of neat, like they're bulky and they're not really made for consumers. But it's really interesting to see over time how much less janky the actual reference devices have become. Because when I first attended the Snapdragon Summit in 2017, the reference device that they provided was basically held together by duct tape. It was awful. It was just like this brick. It weighed like three pounds. It barely resembled an Android phone. And the ones they have now are like pretty sleek. They almost look like you're like looking at it. You're like, what phone? What is what is that? That looks like that almost looks like something I could buy right now. Uh, like they're they're pretty much just like they almost just look like generic Android. Yes, yeah. you could buy yeah. it if you wanted to spend fifteen hundred dollars on a smartphone for Snapdragon Insiders, which is basically what what it looks like. But then yeah. you'll have to yeah. deal with a, a phone that runs Android 11 because they haven't yeah. bothered to Asus has not bothered to update the damn thing. Yeah, that's not anyway. That's not great. Side, side note. Um I do want to talk a bit about the other stuff that they announced. So the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, that was kind of expected. What were some of the other things? I there's a a post about the persistent machine vision that you yeah, wrote. So this is part of the the 8 Gen 2, I guess, but they've rebranded the always on camera to always sensing, which um, they will tell me or they have told me is to better represent what it's doing, but also is obviously a marketing correction because always on camera is a terrible name. It's a oh, terrible yeah. name. That's and fair. that the fact that they ever used it is kind of funny. Last year, actually, former Android police editor Ryan Hager had wrote a piece for us defending the always on camera and saying that, like, it's actually cool technology. It was very limited, though. Like, it basically just could tell if it was seeing a face. This year, it, like, is actually capable of real things. So you can, or I should say, it can scan a QR code without turning your phone screen on, like, at all. Like, you just hold your phone, which is in sleep, up to a QR code at a dinner table to scan the menu, and it'll just do it. You don't have to unlock it and go to the camera. It just does it on its own. That's cool. That, like, is a useful thing, <laughs> like, that will speed up, not incredibly fast, but it will, it will make a difference in your everyday life. 
oh god and it's been such a long weekend that i'm now trying to remember everything it does it has some privacy stuff it can see if there's someone standing over your shoulder and either alert you or just completely turn the screen off to prevent someone from snooping on you that one i think is it's probably not something i would use but it is useful the other thing that i'm really excited for is um when you're showing a video to someone so you turn the the phone horizontal and and start playing a video in full screen it will detect that there are like two people watching and you're watching a video and it will just turn on do not disturb for notifications so you're not constantly having to swipe away notifications that are covering up whatever video you're showing it's just small stuff like that but like to me and this is what the editorial is about it really reminds me of some of the stuff that like google is trying to do with the pixel where it's like look we're going to use like all this machine learning and all these ai smarts that we have to benefit you in your everyday life in like small ways but perceivable ways that like make a real difference to how you're using the phone i think it's also important to point out that like this is stuff that's offloaded from the cpu and gpu and it's using a much lower power state typically you think of a camera as something that sucks up a lot of juice you know every reviewer that you'll watch on youtube is like this phone lasted a long time except when i was out taking use the camera all day yeah. for this review and you're like well yeah. that's never going to happen to me but using a camera at a birthday party or when you're a tourist Power is at a premium, right? When you're out on the streets of Rome and you're taking photos of, of everything. And if they can lower the time that the camera is accessing those high power cores, that can extend the battery life of your phone significantly. All this other stuff is just like a cool tech demo that until you figure out the use cases will still be a tech demo. But I do think there is value in being able to ascertain when a face is in frame without it really giving the phone any information about this, right? It's all kept under lock and key. It's all local. It's not even taking a photo. It's just outputting a yes or a no. It's just cool stuff. That was kind of the, all of the camera stuff really was the stuff I walked away uh, most impressed with. They have hardware ray tracing this year, which I was less like, I need to see it in like an actual game and not just a short video where you're toggling it on and off. And that's the demo because that was that was what we were I kept doing. joking that this is going to come to like Pokemon Go or Genshin Impact <laughs> first. Okay, But like Genshin would make I mean, Tencent is a partner with it. So like it would make sense to see it on like a Genshin Impact. But it would. But also, I don't know. This goes back to that value proposition discussion about free to play games as like investment tools for the companies, right? Are they getting the same quality of investment as a AAA title? Are there really AAA titles on mobile? That culture around like ray trace updates. That right. I mean, this is all stuff that I talked about with Chris Patrick last week. I would call myself like a AAA mobile game skeptic, right? I open. The Play Store, and it's, like I said last week, it's a clone of a clone of a Candy Crush saga, right? Like, it's it, it just, like, keeps going. Like, that's what mobile gaming is. And then it's, like, it's cool that you have this graphical power that, like, literally the laptop I'm using now is the first laptop that I've had that can do ray tracing. And so it's wild that, like, my next phone can do that. But I don't know what difference it makes when, when the games are, like, not, most of them are not very good. And I don't know if, if ray tracing will come to the ones, like, the few that are. but. We'll see. Well, and I'm assuming Netflix. ray tracing on on mobile phones is not going to matter like at all if you're using something like Game Pass, right? No, no. Cloud cloud streaming is its its own thing. 
So this is only going to be for games that you can actually play on the phone, and that's going to yeah, be this is not, so... Yeah. yeah, that's... It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think it's so that way they can say that it is, just because that's a buzzword for gamers. But it also uh, means yeah. that games can be built with mobile in mind using the Unreal Engine or any other engine that natively supports ray tracing. Developers can build it with a mobile endpoint without necessarily having to completely change the lighting situation. Like obviously ray tracing quality will be lower and they'll have to scale it, but it's the same thing as like whenever Digital Foundry compares a Switch release to a PS5 release, right? It's the same game, but those developers have had to redo lighting completely to remove any real-time lighting or ray trace stuff at all. And it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously modern smartphones are way more powerful than Nintendo Switch today, and I mean, you can, you can look at Apple Arcade as an example here, where some AAA console titles, the license is picked up by Apple and made an Apple Arcade exclusive, and those titles are able to benefit from that investment through the, the recurring subscription revenue, and that kind of is more easily justifying that expense. So to me, it's just one more spec until it's proven useful but it's it's a cool spec nonetheless it, it, the unreal engine 5 was like highlighted several times during the tech talk on gaming as well so like it, they're, they're definitely thinking about how those two will tie together so it, it's interesting to see what could come from it but yeah until then it's all kind of hypothetical future stuff um did you have poke is the most important question <laughs> Yeah, I did. I had a little bit. And then and then Friday, the, the conference was over, but my shuttle to the airport did not leave until like seven o'clock. So I had walked down to a hotel a few, uh, actually where the Qualcomm people were staying from what I'm aware, but we walked down to a, a nearby hotel like 15 minutes away and got sushi there as well. So I ate good. It was good. Very, very happy for you. <laughs> All right. So Qualcomm, one thing I do obviously have to mention is the Orion CPU that they teased. Yeah, we can talk about this very, very briefly because there's not much to talk about. But So this is the IP that Qualcomm is working on. It's a next-gen CPU that's focused on Windows, so it won't really impact your phone anytime soon. They're aiming at a 2024 release date here. This is really what's going to supersede the Windows on ARM chips that are powering things like the Surface Pro 9, and a bunch of Lenovo two-in-ones. This is Nuvia IP, which um, was created as an offshoot of people that worked on Apple's M series and then left and formed Nuvia. Apple is suing Qualcomm, or at least the lead person who ran the M series development for basically stealing trade secrets and then using them to launch Nuvia. Arm, the company Arm, the, the licensor of the Arm designs, is suing Qualcomm for essentially undermining its agreement around custom Arm chip design because Qualcomm and Nuvia have different deals with Arm based on like what they can change in the overall design of the CPU cores. Very, very wonky stuff here, but ultimately what it has meant is that any movement in the Orion project has been pretty slow, and they're not really allowed to disclose anything right now other than it's going to be super powerful and better than anything you've seen so far on a on a computer. Yeah, and and I hope it's true. As someone who uses Windows, you know, it'd be it'd be cool to see that. But but we'll I have uh, lots of lots of questions. What's just interesting to me though is so 
The M1 is released in late 2020. It blows everything away, like out of the water. Rosetta 2, super smooth, works with everything. It's just the transition for Apple to ARM could not have gone smoother. It is now leaps and bounds ahead of everything out there on the Intel side and the Qualcomm Windows and ARM side. And then the M2 comes out and it's like still really good, but the year over year improvements were pretty limited. And they're not making a big deal about the changes in the CPU cores because there weren't that many. And it's really interesting seeing that like TikTok cadence, even from Apple this early on. I don't know what that means. I'm sure it doesn't mean anything. I'm sure the M3 will just continue to be a, a complete monster. But it is something to think about that like Qualcomm has a shot here. And if Nuvia's IP is as good as Qualcomm claims it is, they can pull this off, but uh, it's going to be really tough, really, really tough. Because 64-bit emulation right now is, on Windows, pretty pretty bad. And uh, not a great look for somebody who just bought like a Surface Pro 9 running a Qualcomm SoC. Well, Adobe is bringing more apps, so it'll all be fixed. Thanks, Adobe. And they're all going to run really well. And definitely Adobe not brought those apps bad. to Mac like a year ago. So <laughs> Yeah, they sure did. So obviously, this has not been a great week for big tech. I mean, it's not been a great month for big tech. A lot of layoffs. Facebook laid off 11,000 people. Amazon is laying off 10,000 people. Obviously, Twitter not having- Twitter shrug. Yeah, like, sort of dropped from 7,500 employees to 2,700 this yeah, week, and apparently now were, Elon is hiring some of them back. Who employees knows? were putting up like videos of them being like, "Yeah, I guess we're fired now because we didn't accept those new terms." Yeah. <laughs> like, see you later. Like, geez. you're gonna send me a report on Friday afternoon at 3 p.m. telling me what you did. Like, he's gonna read 2,700 oh, yeah. emails. Yep, saw that. Yeah. That's why he has to fire everybody because he's not gonna be able to read all those <laughs> those uh, roundup emails. What a good place Twitter's in. Tesla had to recall 166,000 cars because of a software glitch. Oops. But, uh, you know, uh, Starlink's available in Canada and yes. Finland. So there you go. <laughs> One bright spot. Every time I hear about the Twitter nonsense and every time I go and just doom scroll on Twitter because that is just what my brain has trained itself to do at this point. I just keep thinking, God, I really miss Google+. I'm one of about 50 people who does that, but there's never been a better time for one of the major tech companies to try and, like, break into social media. Because if Twitter is dying, which we aren't entirely sure that it's going to happen yet, because if he turns the company over to somebody else and lets them, you know, run it like an actual company and not just as a dare... Hopefully it can recover in some shape or form. And if they want to make Twitter profitable again, they're going to have to actually do content moderation, which will then negate, I think, Elon's reason for buying it in the first place. But Google already has all of your like all the things you would put in a profile. Google already has that. It already knows everything about you and it already hooks in basically everywhere on the internet between YouTube and <laughs> stop trying to make fetch happen. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. just, like, okay. Okay. Let it fucking die, Ara. It's not, no! it doesn't want to be reborn. Do you want Google to kill Google Plus again? Like, That's what I'm going to say. I okay, like, they, I don't think people can handle it. No one, no one is going to sign up for a new Google social network. <laughs> no one believes in them. Everyone's going to be like, yeah, okay. And like, move on. Yeah. This is not, a, this is not the, this is not the way. I don't, I don't agree with this. <laughs> that I can at dream. Because Mastodon's okay, but it's a little bit too, like, 
fragmented and IRC. It's, it's way not, too fragmented. Yeah. It's way too fragmented. But at the same time, I it, mean, like every there's nothing else that will fill that void properly. Right. That's the it needs to be a Twitter clone is the thing. It's it's not enough <laughs> to be like we're we're making a new social network. Like look at all these ideas. No. It needs to just be like, look, we ripped off Twitter. Like we, we just. But that's what all just these kinda... clones are. Like no. there's Hive, which everybody seems. To I know. Be I know. My entire for. Twitter feed is people being like, signed up for Hive, and I'm like, from what I understand, Hive is being run by like two people. I'm like, all right, well, that's gonna die. Like that's gonna be overrun, and like, I'm like, whatever. Like I'm literally just sitting. I I joined Mastodon and then closed the app and haven't opened it in three weeks and. I'm just on Twitter until it dies, and then I'll figure out where I go from there. But whatever, it's fine. We're just going to go down with the ship or not. Who knows? Everybody from Europe is just like, don't use Hive. It's not GDPR compliant. <laughs> it's going to steal all your data. They're not going to be able to take down hate speech. Like, do not give these people your information. And then everybody else is just like, I need somewhere to, to go. Like, my house is flooded. Yeah. I don't care if this hotel is full of roaches. I, I, have, I need a bed to sleep in. Yeah. Like, that's basically what Twitter is right now. It's just a lot of, like, very slowly moving lifeboats going out into the ocean, hoping that eventually some island shows up. And, and like, there's no indication right now that any of those islands are not a mirage that will just disappear post.news. Like, wh what? Like, not, none of these are actual products. <laughs> Mastodon is the close to a product that we have to replace sure. Twitter. And it is yeah. far too nerdy. It is far too complicated. It'll happen as soon as Linux takes over desktop. Like here, that's when Mastodon will be. Here's the thing that we have to realize as Twitter users too. Twitter is complicated. Yeah. Like as far as social networks go, Twitter is hard to use. It's not clear how to benefit from actually signing up and starting to tweet because very few people are gonna see your stuff you basically have a very haphazardly curated list of posters. And like being a poster on Twitter does not always guarantee good content the way that it does on something like TikTok. Most of the posters on Twitter are like weird Twitter users, the ones that <laughs> you really need to understand their accounts to get anything from them. Yeah. It's like starting Ulysses in the middle and going, oh, this is a really good book. I'm sh I, I, now I know why everybody thought it was one of the best books ever made. Like, no, <laughs> you, you have to understand why Joyce writes the way he writes in order to read Ulysses. It's just, the whole thing just does not make sense to me. And it, it just feels like, I understand it. I empathize with people grasping at straws. I do. But there is nothing to replace Twitter at the moment. And unfortunately, like, Musk knows that. Oh, yeah. He knows that. And it's... Annoying. It's, it's, an, it's <laughs> yeah, annoying. That's one way to put it. It's annoying. All right, but let's talk about this. I'm going to try not to activate most people's speakers here, but uh, Amazon's A-L-E-X-A is in trouble. There's a report out of Business Insider that it has been a, quote, colossal failure. It has lost $3 billion in the first quarter of 2022. The service itself, the assistant, is mostly used for timers and to, to play music, not originally, you know, yes, the way that Amazon intended in 2015, not the way that the company's intended it today, which is a much more holistic presence in your life. We heard the same thing about Google back in October, that it was shifting resources away from its assistant division into hardware. The difference here, it looks like, is that Amazon is seeing losses at both the hardware and the software level, right? 
the uh, ALEXA division is just kind of flailing. It doesn't really know what it wants to be. And the hardware to support it is also kind of all over the place. There's a million Echo speakers. There's a million Fire TV sticks. There's a million of everything because Amazon throws anything at the wall. But it does feel like the company is a little bit listless when it comes to its hardware division right now. And if you just go to Amazon.com right now, you can absolutely see it for yourself. Like, go to the page that basically rounds up all of Amazon's hardware. It's hard to parse, to be honest. Ara, I don't know about you. Like, you've been the one really entrenched in this. But what are your thoughts on, like, where Amazon is as a hardware company these days? Well, I think the problem for both Google and Amazon is that AI assistants without true like artificial intelligence can come to some kind of conclusion, can engage in conversation with you that actually makes sense. Being a fan of the 90s and being a Mega Man fan, I've waited most of my life for NetNavis to be real. These are not that. And until we have that, AI assistants are not going to be used for anything more than just like the most basic of commands. They're not treating it as a person. They're treating it as a butler they don't have to pay for. <sighs> right. But the thing is that, like, if you only ask your butler to set a timer, <laughs> you probably don't really need to employ that butler because you have a You're phone. overpaying. <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely overpaying for Jeeves. <laughs> um, especially when AskJeeves.com still exists as a portal today. <laughs> True story. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I think the expectation here was that we would be a lot further along with Google Assistant and A than we are in 2022, right? So the Nexus 4 turned 10 this week. Amazing phone. I was looking up videos of my, like I, I did a video review for my old job at Mobile Syrup on YouTube. Terrible video. Please don't watch it. Also, I'm going to watch, watch it. it. I'm going to watch it right um, after. It's incredible. <laughs> but one thing I noticed was that Google Now was part of the operating system even back in 2012, right? So Google has been playing and dabbling in this for very long time. And obviously it wasn't quite as full featured as Assistant today. And then Amazon obviously launched A in 2014. And then the war has been on ever since. But I think the expectation from an end user perspective was that by now we would be having continued conversation. I mean, that was a feature Google launched when, like four years ago? This idea that it would know when you wanted to continue speaking, it would wait, it would, it would kind of like anticipate what you're trying to say. You would have something more meaningful than a screaming at it when the alarm goes off to stop and then it not hearing you and then you basically bang on it. And like, that's honestly most of my interactions with my Nest Hub Max in my kitchen is that I set a timer, it goes off, I yell at it to stop, it sometimes ignores me, I yell at it louder and then my daughter goes, Dada, why are you yelling at the screen? And I'm like, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> like that's basically what or it's it's my wife and I talking in the living room and then and it overhears you. Yeah, my my yeah. nest hub going, uh I don't know how to deal with that or whatever and I'm like shut up. Uh, so that is the extent to which most people probably interact with their speakers these days and what's really interesting is that we're learning a bit more about this Google Pixel tablet that'll be released next year and how with a dock it'll essentially be like a nest hub replacement and I don't know about you, but like the value to me of a Nest Hub is less about Google Assistant than it is these days about just like having a screen to look at really nice Google photos. Yeah. Or like YouTube in the kitchen while you're cooking or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all of like, honestly, 
half of my assistant devices are not plugged in. They're in a box somewhere. And the other half, if they're plugged in, usually have the mic muted because I don't use that many commands. And if I need to use a command, I'm usually close enough that I can unmute it rather than have to deal with, you know, like you're saying, like my partner and I being in the living room and the, the nest of Max in the kitchen overhearing it and being like, got it. I'm about to play whatever playlist on Spotify. And it's like, and, and then it, you know, plays it very loudly because I was listening to a YouTube video two days ago. It's not worth the headache. And the other thing is like, I don't know outside of timers and that sort of thing. Usually I can get reminders, I guess. I can get done what I need to get done faster by just pulling up my phone and, and doing it like manually, right? Like uh, Amazon wants its users, its echo buyers to use a to shop, right? To buy things. I mean, they've done everything as they've they've gone as far as having exclusive deals in the past that you need to order stuff through your Echo to get the deal. Like, I don't want to buy stuff, you know, just using my voice. I don't trust it. it. Right. It can't play the right playlist half the time. How I'm gonna use it to buy things to like give money to a company and hope that the right thing gets to my doorstep. That's insane. Like, how difficult is it to just pull out your phone and go to the Amazon app? Exactly. It's literally impulse shopping to the max where it's like you have the idea pop in your head and you're like, hey, can you please order me a $300 whatever that I just saw on an ad or whatever, right? Like, can can you order me an uh, Oculus or Jesus, not Oculus, a MetaQuest 2? I just saw a commercial for it and I really want it right now instead of like pulling out your phone, which I guess will take 20 more seconds, but maybe in that 20 seconds while you load the app, you reconsider your financial situation. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, don't buy... A me- actually, that's that's not true. Buy a MetaQuest 2, but like, make sale sure that right you're now. getting a good deal on it. Yeah, yeah there, there's actually like some decent... There's like a bundle with uh, Beat Saber and Resident Evil 4 that's like $340 or something like that. It's actually not a terrible deal. It's, it's back to being feasible as long as assuming you want those games and you, you i've heard you probably I probably do i mean yeah they're they're two of the best games on the quest, exactly yeah you're right like i mean getting like, bad games with it let's just call a spade a spade right like i would say that it's being harsh to say that as a product amazon's hardware division and alexa is a quote colossal failure the way that the business insider source claims it is but perhaps from a financial perspective it is and it doesn't surprise me that Amazon is pulling back to some extent. We haven't spoken about Luna much on this podcast because it's still kind of in its infancy, but Stadia had a competitor called Luna for the last couple of years. It's been in beta testing. It's been slowly expanding. We know that some of the staff laid off that did affect the game streaming division. You know, my daughter, we had this Amazon Glow thing that Amazon launched last year, which was basically made for the pandemic, but it was like, a conferencing play set that it was very, I mean, it wasn't a great product, but like very ambitious. That's gone. There's a lot of stuff that Amazon's pairing back on. I don't think that's a bad thing, really. Like if you look at the list of Echo devices, there's the Show 5, Show 5 Kids, Show 8, Show Show 10, Show 15, Show, uh, like there's a lot of shows, there's a Flex, there's a Dot, there's a, just an Echo, there's a Studio, there's an Auto, there's a Buds, there's a Frame, there's a lot. And uh, there's always like day one stuff that Amazon's working on. Then there's Eero, there's Ring, there's Blink, there's just random stuff like the Astro Robot. Do you even say the tablets? There's the tablets. And the, I mean, like those are the, but that's that's the bread and butter, right? Like everybody owns a a Fire tablet. 
Sure. That's the probably the one bright spot of Amazon's balance sheet on that probably. on that side is like everybody owns a Fire 7 or Fire 8 tablet. Um I've never owned an Amazon tablet. You're like a you're a tech <laughs> reviewer. Like you don't need to, but yeah. most people when you think about a cheap tablet for your kid yeah. that just works well. Yeah. There are like eight choices that Amazon has these days, and I would pick all of them only over basically any iPad, which is way more expensive, or any Android tablet, which is usually pretty janky. So, I mean, Fire tablets are Android tablets just without the fun stuff. As Will will attest, you can sort try of. to can install sort of. the Play Store try. and then get They're, a lot of angry emails. They, yeah, they might have. They might have blocked it. We'll probably, they might have stopped it. Aww. We'll see. That's that. I mean, that's another. That's another whole like the fork the forking issue forking amazon come on i I, I miss the good place can that be the title forking amazon sure maybe we'll see (laughs) yeah i I don't know i also like just uh, while we're on the topic of the meta quest slash amazon and like i don't know just all the hardware Mm -hmm. uh go watch the verges video review of meta quest of the meta quest pro it's just like it's a work of art it it just this is a unmitigated disaster in a way that like i really did not expect because i love the the quest 2 yeah their their piece is so scathing that it was <laughs> i heard like three different people bring it up at the snapdragon summit they like, gave it a like, four i mean a yeah four like, out of ten that is like, remarkable do you, do you know how how big a piece has to be for like a bunch of people who are like busy doing things and if they're not doing things they're probably eating or drinking to be like no i took time to read the virtues review (laughs) like that's how big it was i just thought it was funny pretty pretty hilarious i mean it does speak to the fact that hardware is hard and uh pairing even good hardware with bad software is is like you're dooming yourself to fail and all these companies want ecosystems right and it's like you might not build the a-l-e-x-a ecosystem that you wanted because we're you know it turns out that 99 percent of people just want to set a timer or a reminder and they don't want to order things online and they don't want to i don't know i i'm sure there are tons of potentially useful use cases that i'm forgetting that could fill in the blank here but the shopping one is always the one that i looked at and i was like okay guys it's not gonna happen even just the fact that automation like if you were to buy a smart home device a year ago or even now it would likely need to be explicitly supported by amazon or google or whatever but with matter opening up to interoperability between the ecosystems there's very little advantage to owning one over the other. And I think what's really interesting is the way that Amazon is trying to leverage its hardware ecosystem in meaningful and interesting ways. So the fact that like the Echo Dots this year are Eero repeaters just out of the box, like that is a really cool use case for this. And that is something that you only gain through vertical integration, right? And like there has been justified lots of justified criticism about how amazon is ruining Eero, but the reality is that millions of people have these 35 dollar echo dots right and the fact that you can just plug it into the wall and make your wi-fi better by buying an Eero router is kind of like the apple story you know you buy an iphone you buy an apple watch you buy a mac they all just work google has tried so hard to make that happen on the pixel side still hasn't quite gotten there yet 
and we're seeing inklings of it from Amazon. We're seeing inklings of it from I mean, Samsung, Jesus. Like, <laughs> you talk about a failure to launch from a software integration perspective. But like, I respect what Amazon has been trying to do, and it's kind of sad that it has failed so unequivocally. Google's got no excuse. <laughs> like, straight up, Google just has no excuse. Uh, I don't feel bad for Jeff Bezos <laughs> ever, but I do feel for the Amazon engineers who have poured their hearts and souls into making oh, yeah. this yeah. like product try to do something more and just voice is not the thing that they thought it would be eight years ago. And I don't know, it's it, it, it's it's sad to me. They can't really fall back on anything else. Yeah, there are a lot of examples of the last decade, and especially, I guess, of the last five years, where it's like tech company comes out with big new product, which feels like a solution in search of a problem. And sometimes, a lot of times, I think lately, we have seen that the problem never shows up and people are like, yeah, I'm fine just doing things how I've been doing it. I'll just reach for my phone to shop. Or how many times have you tried to get assistant or alexa to play a specific playlist on spotify and it plays the wrong playlist because it you don't remember the exact exactly what you named it or whatever like a lot of times just easier to, to grab a, a phone and get it right the first time and you're not frustrated especially for google where it will either play from youtube music or it'll play from you <laughs> well, uh, from regular youtube or from whatever yeah, I mean, service you issue. actually wanted it to play or it might serve up a just a search query instead I will say for assistant, there is one thing that I th I don't know if it's necessarily assistant that's been doing this or just YouTube music through like my phone or something. But YouTube music has gotten really good at like serving me up songs from like whatever shows or anime that I was watching the previous day. Like they'll pop up in my super mix the next day. Baby steps. So it's weird. Yeah, it's baby steps. It's, it's a nice thing, but it's a very small, small thing that doesn't justify the rest of what's going on with it. We're going to end it there. We got a lot of stuff to do before Black Friday. Yeah. And uh, you, you all you all have uh, have Thanksgiving uh, traveling to make. I hope everybody gets where they're going safely and there are no yep. blizzards <laughs> in your way. Um, if you have any feedback for us, you can send it to podcast at Android Police. We love, love, love hearing from you. Tell us what you're looking forward to in tech in 2023. We're going to talk about our 2023 wish list in a future episode before the end of the year, but... We'd love to get that ball rolling and, and hear from you. Uh, you can find Will at Will underscore Saddleberg. You can find Ara at Ara Wagco. You can find me at Journey Dan and all of us at AndroidPlease.com. If you didn't listen to Will's interview with the SVP of engineering at Qualcomm, Chris Patrick, you should. It's a really good episode. It's short and sweet, only 23 minutes. It's a really interesting conversation. We will be back post Black Friday, hopefully uh, less exhausted and a little bit more ready to talk about this week in tech. So until then, have a great week, travel safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.